Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. It is chilly out there, man. I hope that you are uh, warm and safe wherever you are. Or you like this kind of weather. My husband uh, prefers cold weather. He likes... We both, I would say, enjoy the, uh, I would say, 50s and 60s degree weather, especially a few weeks ago. Some uh, just really beautiful autumnal days. I would like more of them before we make that very heavy and swift slide into winter. If I got into the car and the windshield had a layer of ice, I was like, yeah, here we go. Uh-huh. It's a long slog of winter. But um, I was looking at uh, this this pie chart. of. There's a couple things that people have been posting. Of course, as soon as it starts to snow, uh, folks have their reaction. But there was a pie chart, and Tom Skilling shared, shared it. So if you're on Tom Skilling's page, and maybe I'll put it on the Patty Vasquez show page, but it's a pie chart of the months in Chicago, and uh, there's very tiny slivers of pie for June, July, and August. Uh, a little bit more for September, October, and then it gets wider for no, for November. Basically, how time passes in Chicago, and it does seem to pass much more slowly in the uh, depths, the grips of our cold, icy winters, and uh, and the summers and springs just speed on by. I, I'm more of a uh, April, May, maybe June, uh, and then uh, September, October. A little bit of uh, this November, and it's, it's getting a little chilly fast. But the other one was uh, someone posted on Twitter that the, uh, the the city would be much more crowded if we had better weather. Um, you have to have a certain amount of strength to want to stay here. And, and I love this city. I uh, I really <laughs> and, and I part of me does uh, look forward to the summers, but I I, I love all the parts of the the, the city. Um, but I also think it's not just strength; it's also meditating. You have those mental pictures of walking in the shores of Lake Michigan in August when it's really hot, and you want to take a dip. So uh, anyway, be safe out there. And I want to thank uh, folks that were texting yesterday uh, to uh, to share their uh, warm feelings, as it were, about our friend, our new sponsor of the show, show, Warren Price from European and U.S. Car Service over there at 4080 North Broadway. And uh, we'll be talking to uh, Senator Dan Katowski, who's the president and CEO of All Kids, also our new sponsor on the show. And of course, thank you to our flagship sponsor, Monaco Brewing. And if you're watching on Facebook, you can see pretty much the entire selection of Monaco Brewing beers, including the AOC IPA, the Choice Seltzer, Choice Beer, and uh, my personal favorite, the uh, Kamala Stout. But they've also got a great Tammy Shandy, which I tried last night with a great pizza that Warren brought in. And uh, I, I've, I, I was, uh, I was really sad uh, last night. I felt embarrassed. Um, because I got home and you just scrolling and stuff, and you see people posting things, and I, and I saw folks wishing our good friend and collaborator on driving at home, Jerry Walski, a happy birthday. He was right here. He was standing right here taking pictures of Warren and me and, you know, sharing some uh, brew with uh, with Warren and, and some friends here at the station and uh, having some pizza in the conference room. We were hanging out for a while. And I am terrible. I don't know if you guys are like me, honestly, like I, but as soon as I saw it on Facebook, I messaged him right away, which still didn't feel like it was enough. I'll have to take him out for, for dinner one night. And um, I'm sure we'll go to the Gale Street Inn, say hi to our friend George Carzis over there, one of the great spots in Jefferson Park. But I just, I just felt bad. I mean, like, it, there is nothing 
nothing more lovely than having your uh, friends and family wish you a happy birthday. Unless you're someone that just really truly hates it. I I remember one year my my uh, I was leaving town to go perform in Dayton, Ohio. It was my first birthday without my dad. It's not funny, but I, I have a dark sense of humor. It was my first birthday without my dad, and uh, my dad always made it a big deal. And I was leaving town, and I I felt like Molly Ringwald in Pretty in Pink. No, no, no. The other one, 16 Candles, huh? That, hence the birthday thing. But uh, nobody, my husband and my mom did not remember my birthday. And, uh, and I didn't, and like, I kind of, I could have said something like, hey, aren't you guys going to, but I didn't want to. So I get why you didn't say anything, Jerry. You didn't want to be Molly Ringwald from 16 Candles. Like, hey, a little love for my birthday. But I wish I had known. So that was on me, not on you. But I wish a Jerry uh, a belated happy birthday with everyone. Um, really could not do this show without you. And so grateful to have you in my life. And you're just you're one of the good ones. Uh, the the tireless hours that you put in on our campaign when I ran for the 19th district, uh, the beer sherping that you do with Monaco Brewing and locking down Kirk, who's got so many plates spinning in the air. You're like, hold on. There's a great show in Chicago that you should be a part of. And then also working with small businesses across the Chicagoland area, uh, helping us amplify the work that they do, the products that they sell and uh, and really getting through the pandemic. So. Jerry, for so many reasons, uh, you are one of my best friends, and I adore you, and I did not mean to uh, to uh, shirk my responsibilities as a friend to wish you a wonderful, happy birthday. So, I hope you had a, uh, a, a, I hope you had a, at least, no, no, I feel bad. I still feel bad. All right. Uh, but Judy's on the line. Judy. Hi. Oh, you want to know about uh, what to do when the sun starts going down and the signal is a little different, right? Well, I think, I think I made it. Hey, what? You, you got your half. You got your two hours, and I think we may have figured out. My husband tried putting Heartland Signal into his mobile phone. Okay. And lo and behold, yesterday I got it through. As a cut, every once in a while, it cut out a little bit. It comes back on. Okay. So there, I sat with it on the cushion. And what a show! Wasn't oh that goodness. fun yesterday? Yeah. Yes, I. You know. Ken is a complete retrobate, of course, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're, they're good for discussion. Yeah, and, it, and some comedy too, actually. Well, I will say, I was I went back because I was like, well, how did I react? Because sometimes I, I've said this before. Uh, I know our friends uh, Roosevelt and Dave. I think Roosevelt Moore has called me out when I let a caller get something through that is you know not factual or is just blatant lies and things like that, and I don't jump on it fast enough because I'm looking at news stories or I'm, I, I latch on the, the last thing they said before that I'm trying to you know do some research in the moment um, so there's a lot going on and uh, so I wanted to see how I realized like because it, it was so weird I was trying to you know basically draw out of him what exactly he was trying to say so for folks who are catching up uh, for yesterday's show we had a listener call in and talk about how we uh, that this country is basically being destroyed by immigrants who refuse to assimilate and people like me who fly our Mexican flags. And, and you know what bothered me is that I also fly the Irish flag. I fly the American flag. I fly the Chicago flag. I got so many flags. Look at this. If you're watching on Facebook Live, this is one of my favorite.
favorite flags on my purse. It's my Chicago flag. So I mean, like, is that against it? Like, what's the culture? What's the culture of America, Judy? And that was what he was saying. And then the outbreeding that we are outbreeding. Well, then can God do your own breeding? I don't know. <laughs> wow, two children doesn't sound like you're a whole lot of breeding. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, my between my parents, between my Irish dad and my Mexican mom, they had between them uh, seven kids. Yeah, that's right. She had three. He had three, and I was the seventh between them. Um, yep. But yeah, she wasn't. She had those before you somewhere yes. else. Right. And your father had those here. Yep. And and he was what they would have considered a native then. <laughs> it and, was. And I my my family passed this on my grandfather's generation. Each side married a German, and everybody might say now, "Oh, that's nothing." It was then. Yeah, they 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 took the heat, both of them. So both of my parents were like you, mm-hmm. part one thing and part another thing, and <laughs> led that kind of schizophrenic life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my husband, as we were having that conversation yesterday, my husband Steve started doing some research, and I believe he said, like, there's 44, by the way, Ken, there's 44% of this country, uh, it comes from a wide range, like there's 44%, like, not identified. I guess that's the American or the blending of different backgrounds. Yeah, well, yeah where would we go back? We, they'd have to cut us in little chunks. <laughs> wow, that's I, dark. They'd have, to put, cut me in, they'd have to cut me in six. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that would hurt. <laughs> it was it was surreal, and I want to apologize to the texters because there was so much going on. I didn't take the texts in the real time, so I wanted to. Uh, uh, some, somebody, somebody, a lot of people were getting hot under the collar. Our uh, our breed another race sounds like selectively breeding white pigs for slaughter. Just saying, hope to hell. And I, I edited that in the mo- in the moment, and it was fine that you wrote that there. I, I'm the one reading it, so it's okay to our friend that was texting. Uh, Ken is an indoctrinated children you can't say it on air but I can, I can freely hope that they oh I won't say that part <laughs> um, thank you so much but uh, yes it was okay the all of that Why was perfectly fine retrobate you, we can say that mm-hmm. perfectly <laughs> and, and I know a lot of people felt bad but you know what if he said it in May or June it would probably roll off our backs but it's dark out you know, and I just wait for that winter solstice for the time to start going back up. Maybe it's my Celtic blood. See, I got that, too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. And, and I, I love the Welsh flag. Oh, it's yeah. Dragon well, on it. Well, my, right, my, my husband is also part Welsh, and so Griffin is actually a Welsh name, my son's name, um, so we honor that. And Yeah, yeah that's, that's, the, that's what they have on their flag. It's a, Griffin. The dragon with the wings. Yes. I believe I thought it was a lion with uh, wings. I don't yeah, know. He looks liony and he's yes. got wings. Yes, I think yeah. it's a lion. It's part lion, part eagle. That's what it is. I believe it's part yeah. something like that. Okay, oh, well, I'll have to look that up. I have yep. Welsh relatives too. <laughs> But I, in this, uh, while we while we're talking about the caller we had yesterday that said uh, I should not be surprised when people like him call me on uh, fla- f- like flaunting my pride of where my family has come from, like part of that sounded a little uh, threatening. I'm just gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, it was it was weird and creepy, and it reminded me of the days leading up to and around uh, President Trump, former President Trump's uh, announcement. Like there was a 
lot of this sort of like hostility that people weren't afraid to uh, shield or, or, you know, say quietly. They say the loud parts and it's getting loud again. I don't know why. The other thing I really want to focus on are the callers. Roosevelt was very passionate and angry and frustrated. Myrna telling her very poignant story about her brother and his service to our country uh, and everybody who was outraged. Uh, I just want to thank you for the great conversation yesterday. I, I, I'm sorry that it came at the expense of uh, finding out that they're just really, they can, we, sometimes we need to be reminded that there are truly awful people out there. There are. Keep our guard up. That's all. Right? But, there's, but then there's us. Yes. And, there, right. and all, all, of, all of the family of Patty. <laughs> Thank you. The bigger family. The, the radio family. Exactly. Well, I appreciate that. I'm glad we spend more time together every day, too. I am, too. Yay. Thank you, Judy. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. I'm glad you found us on the online. That's yeah. awesome. Take care. Let's uh, take a break here. Continue with your phone calls. 773-763-9278 is the number to call and join our conversation, either calling or texting. And we will come back in just a moment and take your calls. We've got Dan and Jim on hold. And we also have Dan Schaefer, Schaefer from the Recombobulation area coming up at 6 o'clock as well as, oh, no, 530. Dan Schaefer's on at 530. We have uh, Jeremy Gorner from the Chicago Tribune giving us an update from Springfield and what's going on during the veto session. And we'll also have comedian Adam Burke in studio because we are performing tonight at Bourbon and Brass in Des Plaines, which is part of that Des Plaines, that beautiful Des Plaines, Des Plaines Theater, the Ernesti Shows, oshows.com for ticket information because uh, it's me, Adam, and Erica Nicole Clark. I like to book these shows with three headliners, and that's what you're getting this week tonight at the Splains Bourbon and Brass, tomorrow night at the Arcata Theater in St. Charles, then Friday again at Bourbon and Brass on Friday night, and then Saturday again at the Arcata Theater. So more in a moment on WCPT 820. We're driving it home until 7 with me, your host, Patty Vasquez, on the Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. for joining us as we drive it home until 7. Uh, thank you to our sponsors of Kids Above All, Monaco Brewing, and our friend Warren Price at European and U.S. Car Service. Let's get to our phone calls. Again, the number is 773-763-9278. You can call or text to join the conversation with that number. And here's Dan, who did use that number. Hey, Dan, what's on your mind? Hi, Patty. Good to talk to you. I've talked to Joan a number of times, but I've always wanted to call you. <laughs> oh, thank uh, you. I'm glad you did. I enjoy your work. I really do. Oh, thank you. Um, what I wanted to say is that, you know, this election kind of restored my faith in people a little bit. I had pretty much become resigned to the fact that the nuts were taking over. Mm. There was nothing we could do about it. <laughs> you know, and... Um, Patty, I heard Carrie Lake. I had never heard her, had not heard her speak before until about two days before the election. And I'm serious. I was horrified at what I was hearing. You know, she told these journalists she was going to be their worst nightmare and she was going to teach them to be journalists again. And, um, and then she really cooked. I think she she cooked her goose, though, on the night two days before the election at a rally. She said that, um, uh, are there any John McCain Republicans here? And if you are, you can get the hell out. Right. 
That was a pretty stupid thing to say in Arizona. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? The yeah. it's it's that hubris, it's that mania. Like they, you know, that, and that's a conversation we've had for a long time. And I'm right there with you, Dan, about sort of breathing a little easier this week. I didn't realize how tight and clenched up I was heading into the midterm election. But with so many things that she she reflects, which is that well, if if he's he's crazy, I gotta be Trump crazy in order to win. Right? There's that idea, like. When I ran for the 19th district for my my house seat of my neighborhood, um, you know, folks were like, "Well, you gotta, you know, since you know the uh, incumbent is is you know people think she's farther to the left of you, so maybe if you're farther to the right of her, so like all the there's all this idea of like you have to stake out this territory instead of telling people what you're going to fight for and the work that you're going to do, you know, we end up having people say, you know, call each other names or as you said with Lake saying, you know, basically telling McCain voters to go to hell, right? She did. Or to f off, mm-hmm. essentially, um, and I, and it looks like, fortunately, somehow it has, is all backfiring. Right? It looks like that threat to democracy, whether it's in the form of January six or election denialism or taking women's rights away from them, it, it's in the combination. Each one of those things might not have had this effect in the election, but I think together, it was a pretty damning picture of Republicans. Oh yeah, and you know I. I, um, you know, I certainly don't agree much with Liz Cheney, but I have really <laughs> offer her my respect. You know, she gave it all up. She gave up her power, her seat in Congress and everything to stand up. Right. And you have to you just have to praise her for that. You know, I uh, you know, you you know, the, the, the way the system is supposed to work is we have different political factions we fight like hell but at the end of the day we're all still americans right and i think that those these people that have taken over the republican party they don't believe that they believe that we're we're somehow communists and and uh, traitors and uh not real americans yes yeah that's that's the part i guess i never get to the end whenever i say that they call us these names like socialists and communists and that's that's a good point they call us traitors and and they call us an american and then what does that mean because they they want to get rid of if you're not American they they want to get rid of anyone they think is not American it's like what do you I don't I just I it's very hard for my me to put my mindset there I don't know how to get there to even understand that hatred and tolerance and demand for control of other people's lives oh yeah and um, and you know every one of them will still take their social security and their <laughs> Medicare when the time comes yeah and uh, so they're pretty good socialists if you ask me yeah. <laughs> Have a great one. You too. Thank you so much, my friend. Bye, Dan. Let's uh, get to Dave in Hoffman Estates. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? Hey, Patty. I was just telling the screener that I got to thinking about, oh, maybe it was a month or so ago, I was telling you about that that uh, thing I saw with John Leguizamo when he was on and, and talking about with the pride, you know, with the Hispanic, and he said that, Hispanics have been in every war that America's been in. Shit yeah. And blood and, you know, that. Did you ever get a chance to see that? I have not had a chance to see it. I don't get to watch a lot of, uh, like, but I, yeah, but, yeah my hours are really. I'm not surprised. I mean, the way you burned the candle I, at both ends. Can I tell you a secret? I, I just came across the Barbara Richard, the, uh, I'm sorry, the Ann Richards book that you sent me. I was like, oh, I got to read this. <laughs> well, the, the, the letters won't change on the pages. That's right. I got to get to that. But no, it's, uh, it, it, it's true. And it's also been, as Myrna said yesterday, is also been a pathway to citizenship for people from all over the world is to serve in our military and become a citizen. 
I, I was always for that. You know, the, if somebody was willing to take an oath and bleed and die and possibly get maimed for a country that wasn't his own at first, mm-hmm. the minute you went through, my thoughts was the minute you went through boot camp, basic training, you know, whichever you want to call it, and um, you started serving, I think you should have been automatically um, permitted. Right. Yeah. You did. You did more than a lot of people do for this country. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, we had a, this bloviating former president who was chicken little. Yeah. And who had bone spurs. You think I was stupid or something? You know. That, <laughs> yeah. When uh, he asked him about Vietnam, and then and then who's it? Kelly or whatever the uh, his former general. And they're standing on his um, son's grave. Yeah. And looking out at the stones and that and saying, I don't get it. I didn't get what was in it for them. Yeah. And and do you remember when he called STDs his own personal Vietnam? Yeah. Oh, my God. I just, again, you say these things out loud again and you're like, how did these people, what? I'm just glad that, that some sort of semblance of sanity is, seems to have uh, taken hold uh, for parts of the country during the, the last week. Like, I've never understood how somebody, especially who had, Served and got wounded or, or maimed in like Vietnam, yeah. could support this guy. Yeah, when he was basically calling them suckers and losers. Yeah, and but yet, if you give uh, uh, a name of Bill Clinton or Jane Fonda, you know, throw oh, yeah. them on the rack, hang them, hang them, in mm-hmm. the morning, you know, correct. Like, you got a totally one hundred eighty. But uh, and um, like yesterday, I was. With Gunny, I was mentioning, like, with my heritage, it's all pretty monolithic, 100% Finnish on both sides. And uh, all the way back, you know, because when it was going on, our people were chasing reindeer or whatever, you know, when <laughs> Civil War was going on. But uh, the um, but I had mentioned to him that uh, one of our people had actually signed the uh, independence, John Morton, the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. And he actually handed over Pennsylvania to think so Pennsylvania could be in part of the part of this uh, union or whatever at the time. And uh, and then my mother, she was also proud of the fact that um, Finland was the only country that had paid off the World War One debt. I think they still are the only ones. But uh, the funny thing was, they never would teach. They didn't teach my sister and me how to speak Finn. Oh, really? I, yeah, they were. She was afraid. I guess that it'd slow us up in school. And yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Were, oh no, no, I don't speak. I don't, I don't speak Spanish at all. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, because my. Were, it was during the time you know where they were proud of being American. Right. You know, it was. I mean, not at all. That's not. I shouldn't say that. But someone just messaged me today and asked me if I could do a radio spot in Spanish, and I was like, "Eh, it's probably not a great idea." <laughs> you you can tell pretty quickly. Yep. Our mores have changed now, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The heck out of people I can speak two and three languages and stuff like that. I, well, most places I in the world. I would have thought it. Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway, let me clear off so somebody else can get their chance. But I just thought I'd throw that in. If you can ever get a hold of that thing about John Leguizamo when he was... That was great, you know. I will. I will, take, I will get a hold of that. I'm making a note in my, in my book right now. 
<laughs> Thanks, Dave. Be good. Be well. You too. Thank you so much. Let's take a break here. I can, I'm going to ask our, our callers if you'd hold on through my conversation with Dan Schaefer, and I will get to you right after that conversation because we're going to talk a little Wisconsin, but Penny and Jim, if you'd hold on, I'd appreciate it because I would love to get to your call and have these conversations. You're listening to Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez. We're here till 7. We'll be back on the Heartland Signal after this. Some got busy, some got lazy, some got creative, some went crazy. Couch potatoes, avoiding respirators, we all got pretty big round the equator. Shopping online, working online, zooming all day, no pants, that's fine. Hiding at home from civilization, here's what I did over my pandemic vacation. In chronological order, more or less, with the non-political songs first. Because not everybody wants to hear what I think politically, and I understand that. But honestly, how could anyone get through the past 18 months without one political thought? You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Check in with uh, the Recombobulation Area's Dan Schaefer. Hey, Jewel, I dropped it into the uh, Telos, like that little screen there. There's numbers at the bottom. I, I was like, it's lot, there's like a caps lock. and <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. And let's take a call, phone call while we uh, get Dan on the phone. I know Jim's been on home for a little, hold for a few minutes. Hey, Dan, uh, Jim, what's on your mind, my friend? Hi, Patty. I listened to that five-man-a-man speech that Trump gave yesterday. I think it was six out of his, how do they calibrate it? That was really a burn burner from Gatorville down there. And what's funny was the Republican radio, the guy said he picked up the New York Post, the uh, Murdoch's paper, and said, man makes, which was about 14, and at the bottom of the page it says, man makes plea for president. Yep. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't even mention Trump's name. I just want to mention real quick about Florida. I used to love Hialeah, and I like Miami, but... When you got stuck in an hinterland, I got stuck in an hinterland a couple of times, and you'd go down the street, there'd be a missing person on every post. And i go, can I ever find any of these people? And I can understand why, because you go to a couple of bars in those hinterlands, and you're lucky you get out of life. Oh, yeah, Florida's a humdinger of a state. But what, is, what, a, what a ridiculous... Did you listen to any of that crazy nonsense last night? I only heard a few words, but what I... Did you see where they were blocking the doors? They weren't letting people out that were trying to leave because the energy was... So low, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was low. He was loaded on. Uh, he was loaded on something. Adam, yeah. Adam, whatever he takes, or Sandwich or something. But I wish I get my hands on a few of those. <laughs> anyway, that's why I just want to. I just, I just, want to comment on his, right. his ridiculous. Yeah, it was. It was absurd. Thing. Yeah, I hope it goes. Right. I hope it ends soon. No, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Let's get yeah. to. Uh, thank you. Have a great night, Jim. Let's get to Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation area and also contributor to Heartland.com. Hey, Dan, how uh, how are people? feeling in Wisconsin uh, following this week of uh, understanding the results of last week's midterm? We're doing pretty well. Uh, we're, we're glad to not be watching any more political ads, that's for sure. <laughs> I, would imagine. I think I told you this. I was at a casino. I was at the Oneida Casino. and uh, No, not the Oneida. I was in Milwaukee. I was at the casino in Milwaukee, and I was in this like sports bar of the, of the casino, and there were all these m- massive screens, and I had to, I, like, they were airing all the, ad, all the ads during, like the, I think it was Northwestern Wisconsin game. It was crazy, and uh, I was just laughing because it was just overwhelming, so I can't even 
even imagine what it was like for just months and months of that. Yeah, yeah, it was not. I think the governor's race was the most expensive governor's race in the country. More than a hundred million dollars poured into that one, uh, and then the Senate race was the fifth most expensive Senate race, and more than, almost one hundred and fifty million poured into that one. So. Just between those two races, not to mention all the rest of the stuff going on in the state for the fall election, just between those two races, just astronomical amounts of money being put into it. And that led to a lot of ads. So I think, if nothing else, we're, we're glad to be rid of the ads and to be moving on. Uh, I think a lot of us are pretty happy that uh, Tony Evers is going to stay as governor. Uh, so as far as the day-to-day of the state, you know, we're, we're of course, disappointed that Mandela Barnes uh, was in, unable to pull off the upset against Ron Johnson. But in terms of the, of the day-to-day operation of the state, uh, things could have gone real sideways if Tim Michaels won. And uh, we're, we're pretty glad that, that Tony Evers won in what people are calling a Wisconsin landslide uh, of 3.5%. <laughs> right, because for folks who aren't familiar, uh, it's generally pretty, pretty tight in Wisconsin, right? Historically. Yeah, I mean, Ron Johnson won by 1%. Uh, Joe Biden won by, one, you know, about 1%. Two years ago, t- Donald Trump won by about 1%. Tony Evers won by 1% uh, in 2018, but now winning by 3.5%. You know, that's just a staggering landslide victory uh, here in Wisconsin. Amazing. And so, that what you know, while people evaluate what went wrong, what went right, what to do next, I mean, now you have Ron Johnson for another six years, which is hard to uh, really even uh, consume. Uh, like, yeah. Because you had written extensively yeah. about how Wisconsin was ready for Mandela Barnes and how young voters were engaged. And, and we're seeing what happened in Michigan. And, and a lot of it does come down to the gerrymandering, doesn't it? It does, but I think, you know, Johnson Johnson was the favorite throughout this race, as, as detestable as I find him. You know, he is some, somehow able to kind of thread the needle between rural and suburban support. You know, we saw uh, in, the, in the governor's race, Tim Michaels, you know, he, he kind of gained support in rural counties throughout Wisconsin, but really lost support. Uh, in suburban counties. We've seen that with a lot of Trump-endorsed candidates around the country. Uh, you know, and so in places like Waukesha County, Ozaukee County, that are, you know, just neighboring Milwaukee, the suburbs really went hard against away from Michaels, but still, you know, maintained some uh, support for, for Johnson and that able to squeak out that narrow victory. And I think any analysis of that victory has to consider the uh, the money that was poured in from outside groups, particularly the group called the Wisconsin Truth Pack, uh, which really only had two donors or three donors, uh, uh, the Dick and Liz Uline and Diane Hendricks, uh, billionaires, uh, billionaire politi- Republican political donors, and they poured tens of millions of dollars into this group called the Wisconsin Truth Pack that ran attack ads against Mandela Barnes, mm. some of the ugliest, most racist attack ads of the election cycle. There was nothing comparable on the Democratic side. Uh, and, you know, in a race that tight, you have to you have to look at something like that and, and think, you know, did those did that $30 million uh, make ultimately make the difference with uh, with 27,000 votes? 
that that's something I try to impress upon anyone that's running for office is, you know, evaluate one, how much you think the other person can raise and dig deep and understand what you are willing to do to ask people for money and what you think your potential is. Because unfortunately, in a lot of these races, something like that has a tremendous amount of impact. I mean, it makes a difference in a lot of places, doesn't it? It absolutely does. You know, I was, as I was, uh, you know, as you know, I'm a big Milwaukee Bucks fan. So as I'm turning on the Bucks game, every commercial break was wall to wall ads from the Wisconsin Truth Pack. You know, it's just it was just nonstop, uh, and, and they were some of the uh, the most vile ads of the cycle. And it's really tough. The more the more you cover this stuff, the more you look into these elections. I've covered a lot of election stuff this year with Milwaukee's mayor's race and the primaries and on through the general. And money is just such an important thing in these races, and it's it's an ugly business, but just it's, that's the that's the that's the world we got right now. Well, and what I try to tell people, and something I learned from my race, some of the language, you know, because I I had much more of a grassroots uh, race, uh, didn't have as much institutional support, is that the you know you have to tell people, and, and I and I have to tell listeners, look, if it's you consider it an investment in the culture and society and government you want to see. So whether it's five dollars, ten dollars, I mean, there has to be a way to push back against these billionaires and these corporations that just want to put people in place to basically deregulate and protect their wealth. Uh, otherwise, it, it, it's going to take a, it's a long slog to shore up that uh, our ability to protect ourselves against that. Yeah, and as far as the individual candidate donations go in Wisconsin, Mandela Barnes outraised Johnson mostly on the strength of small donors. Right. Um, but he just didn't have any, you know, and of course, the, the you know, the Senate committees uh, spending on either side of that, that was huge. Uh, but there's just no equivalent to, to that uh, billionaire-funded uh, PAC. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the, those two billionaires that have funded Ron Johnson for, you know, the bulk of, the bulk of his political career uh, have been rewarded and then some because yes. the tax cut that Ron Johnson fought for uh, netted them uh, well over, well into the hundreds of millions of dollars just between that, those two. So their their investment is paying off. Uh, on the other hand, I'm hesitant to laugh too much at billionaires because uh, it seems like whenever we do that, it, it, it motivates them to do horrible things. I just want to say for on our part in Illinois, while we have the U, we have Uline and they have gotten involved in your races and other Republican races around the country, but between Uline and Ken Griffin, uh, we did pretty well uh, holding them off uh, in Illinois. I don't know how, but with that in mind. Uh, one of the things that we were well, successful. has got a little bit of money too, doesn't he? He does have a little bit of money, uh, but the amount of money that they put into a lot of the races. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he has a lot of money. Uh, but but with that in mind, uh, and what we were we, the success we had here, I, I, I want to find ways to help Wisconsin and their Supreme Court race, because no matter how strong our legislation is here to, to protect access to full, the full range of health care, Wisconsin needs that as well. And that's in uh, the prime. Is it a primary for your Supreme Court race next year in April? Yeah, so we that this is coming up fast. Uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, I think I had to, I had some friends and organizing groups who were thinking about this midterm as a two part midterm for it. So yes. part one was part one was the governor's race. Part two is the state supreme court race, and that is uh, the primary is in February, and the general election will be in April on April fourth. April fourth is our chance to get to to restore this state, to restore democracy in the state of Wisconsin, and and give it back to the people of the state and take it away from the people who have taken it hostage uh, for the past 12 years. Uh, I cannot overstate the importance of that race. Uh, it is. It will determine the majority of the court. It will 
hope if and if a liberal justice is able to win that race, uh, we will be able to, that opens the door to challenging our ridiculously gerrymandered maps. It opens the door to challenging a whole bunch of legislation uh, that, the, that the courts have ruled on, you know, throughout the Walker era, throughout the Robin Voss uh, era in the legislature. And so that is, is the biggest opportunity that we have in this state to make a real change and make a real difference for people. And how, I mean, you, I, you, I'm trying to think of, people don't get fired up about Supreme Court races, typically. Only, I don't know how much of an impact seeing what our conservative, like, lean, not just leaning, but just slanted uh, Supreme Court federally has an impact. I, I mean, are, do, you, do you think that people will get fired up? I mean, how fired up can the right side get when they're already in control of the, the maps, the state legislature, uh, the, the Senate seat. Do you see that that this battle coming down to uh, women's rights and to states' rights when it comes to the map? Well, I think historically in Wisconsin, the, the Republicans put a greater emphasis on the court. And I think that has changed. You know, in recent years, that like even back to I'm thinking back to 2017. Uh, there was a race for one of the state Supreme Court seats in Wisconsin. Democrat liberal groups didn't even feel the candidate. Uh, and oh my so God! The Republican the Republican was able to win, win a ten year term on the court unopposed. Oh my God! So <laughs> that just make that me nauseous. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a real wake up call. And I think since then, uh, Democrats or liberal groups again, it's a nonpartisan race, but it, we know how these things work now, right? It, it's a partisan race. Um, liberal groups have flipped uh, a couple seats on the court. And are now in a position to win the majority. So it's a four-three uh, balance right now. There's kind of one swing vote who's a conservative who has sided uh, with uh, with the liberals on a number of occasions. Uh, you know, he wasn't <laughs> he didn't want to overturn the election uh, in 2020. He actually let the governor govern uh, during the pandemic, but he he is still very much a conservative justice, Brian Hagedorn. Uh, so basically, the <laughs> the hope through this. Uh, uh, through this election would be to, you know, make make that swing vote a, uh, you know, one, one that wouldn't matter as much. We wouldn't have to be waiting to see uh, how Brian Hagenorden feels that day when it comes to ruling on so many important issues. Wow. Okay. Well, I, again, I, I think I told you last time we'll, we'll be invested in, in helping out any way we can and, and, uh, and looking at the candidates going into the primary in February. And then, of course, the general uh, for this race, for the Supreme Court race again in Wisconsin happening in February is a primary. April 4th is the general. And then uh, uh, I have another question before we go. Uh, I, I was uh, I scroll. I shouldn't scroll before I go to bed. I should just go to bed. Um, sometimes I get anxiety and, and from just from the things I read or it helps me to uh, relax. It depends. But I was really surprised last night when I saw that the Mormon church was coming out in support of the LGBTQ plus uh, its respect marriage bill that was coming up to the Senate. And I know that your legislator, Tammy Baldwin, has been a part of this. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, she's been the lead sponsor of this legislation. She has been driving the train to get this bill over the finish line to get some Republican support so that it would not get filibustered. And the vote today was uh, they had, I believe it was 12 Republican votes to advance the bill. And uh, man, it's just, you know, we have we have some we have some pretty tough uh, it's a tough pill to swallow with another six years of Ron Johnson. But boy, do we have a great senator 
in Senator Tammy Baldwin. And I think this is just such an important effort. And I think, you know, there, there was talk of this bill getting done before the election uh, and whether the, you know, Chuck Schumer and, and some of the Senate campaign committees would, would use this as some, something of a wedge issue. Uh, but Tammy said, no, we want to actually get this get this done, get this codified, get these rights uh, upheld in federal law. And, uh, you know, sure enough, as soon as the election's over, they bring it back to the floor. They're able to have that vote this afternoon to advance it. Uh, and it looks to be on track to, I think, within the next couple of weeks, they will have a final vote on that. And uh, our, our junior senator, Tammy Baldwin, getting this one over the finish line. Outstanding. Outstanding. Someone, because uh, I'm a, uh, you and I probably have not talked about this. I, I'm formerly of the Mormon persuasion. <laughs> I don't know if it's the way you say it, but I I grew up Mormon until I was until I was baptized. But I was really surprised. So I, I was I'm thrilled that she's doing this, and it's it's so necessary considering the, basically the threat thrown down by Clarence Thomas that they they were coming for it. So whatever we can do to keep moving forward and codifying and protecting people who just want to live their lives. I mean, for crying out loud. Anyway, it's just my thought. Yeah, and I I encourage you to take a moment to watch Tammy Baldwin's floor speech on that vote today. It was pretty powerful. You know, she is the first out uh, lesbian woman serving in uh, in the Senate, and um, you know she she talked about her story. She talked about friends of her stories, uh, and she talked about you know, like you said, those those threats that opened up uh, from Clarence Thomas's ruling. Uh, in the Dobbs decision and, and what that could do for, for same-sex marriage and, uh, you know, just LGBTQ rights in general. Right. Uh, so I think, you know, it's just a really, you know, it, it's just a, it, it's something to be proud of uh, from, from a senator from Wisconsin. And the uh, easiest way always get to say. <laughs> <laughs> and the easiest way to see that clip, by the way, folks, is follow Dan Schaefer on Twitter because he has a link to the speech. So follow him right now and you can stay up to date on his work with the Recombobulation Area and HeartlandSignal.com. Dan, if you're up for it, we'd love to check in with you next week. Absolutely. Have a great night. Thanks so much, Dan. Thank you. Be Have well. a good one. Have a good one. Uh, before we hit the uh, top of the hour, I'm going to take Penny's call. And anyone else who wants to jump on, 773-763-9278. More in a moment on Driving at Home till 7 with me, Patty Vasquez. You're listening to Driving at Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We have had a listener on hold for a long time, and I apologize, and I'm grateful. Thank you, Penny, for hanging in there. Hey, Penny from Lansing, what's on your mind, my friend? Well, I heard a quote. Um, and I can't remember, it was on radio yesterday from Republican Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri. Uh-huh. The hypocrisy was just stunning. Yep. <laughs> Hold on. Let me see. I think I think I have it. Hold on. Let me see if it's this one. Hold on. Let me see if I have it. Oh, no, I can't. No, I don't have it on there. I thought I could play it. When he said that the uh, the midterm election was the funeral of the current GOP and that, uh, you know, people voted, uh, folks, folks who didn't vote in last night's election, uh, independent voters didn't vote for them, uh, working class independent voters. He was talking about all that. Here's a guy who instigated people to attack the Capitol. And he's like, yeah, maybe, maybe the Republicans are being too uh, aggressive and too uh, fanatical. Only he was one of them, right? Is that what you saw? Right. And then how the Republican Party is dead? No kidding. And how we realize now that we offended people in the middle. And I I called his office today in the Capitol and I left a message. I said, you made women angry. You made seniors angry. And you made people like me in the middle. I'm a woman. I'm a senior. And I'm in the middle. 
So I am very angry at you. And in the words of Tanya Tucker, it's a little too late to do the right thing now. <laughs> That's right, Penny. I love it. Yeah, it's a little too late. They've rung that Maybe bell. Maybe you can play that. Maybe you can play that tomorrow, Patty, if you have time. Yeah, I'll see if I can play it later today. Even I'm just—I'll uh, have to see if Matt's around to help me with the button. I because I have it playing in what? front of me, but I don't know how to make it work. I'm so close to having it right. Hold on—is it this button? No. You guys know how I am with the buttons. I don't want to break anything, Penny. I'll figure it out. Okay. How I am. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later, Penny. Have a good night. Hey, before thank we bye thank you. Before we uh, before we go to the break, because I know we have Jeremy Gorner already on the line. Uh, let's tease what we're going to talk about. Jeremy Gorner from the Chicago Tribune. Uh, before we go to the break, hi. First of all, how are you doing? Oh. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. Uh, down in Springfield covering the veto session. Uh, how's, uh, how, how's the energy down there post-election? Well, nobody's here now because they canceled the third day of veto session this week. Are so, you kidding me? Uh, yeah, session ended early today for the House and the Senate, and uh, looks like everybody left early. I mean, the only um, action at least for us reporters, was that um, the new Republican leadership in the House and Senate, um, the, the, the leadership, the, the leaders of each, the new leaders of each caucus um, um, gave interviews today with us. But um, as for the rest of uh, uh, the lawmakers, uh, it appears that um, they've left the building. Okay. Hey, I've been down there. I mean, historically, I mean, historically, I mean, historically during veto session, I mean, a lot of what goes on happens that second week. Right. I mean, and um, this has been they really haven't done a whole lot this week. Um, We could expect there being more action that second week of veto session, which is going to be the week after Thanksgiving. But before I go to the break, can I just remind folks that they also convened early in April rather than going all the way through May because they had primaries. Right? I'm just pointing that out for everybody. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, well right, too. Right, right, too. I mean, like, it's interesting because, um, well, the, the, the whole legislative schedule was kind of out of whack anyway, just because yeah. of um, because of COVID. I mean, it was a yep. um, it was a shortened um, spring session. You know, they ended in early April um, and then it complicated further by this election. You know, so um, it appears just looking at the calendar, the the traditional legislative schedule is going to be back on track next year, um, you know, with, uh, you know, going from January through through May. So, yeah, it's been a very unusual year yes. <laughs> with the General Assembly. It, it has been. We're, we're talking to Jeremy Gordner from the Chicago Tribune. Uh, let's take a break here and uh, continue our conversation and find out what the, the new leadership looks like for the Republican side. And, of course, I don't think we've talked very much about Jim Durkin's uh, exit speeches about the the Republican Party in Illinois. So we'll catch up on that with Jeremy Gordon in just a moment. Uh, do you mind hanging on through the news, Jeremy? Sure. Yeah, oh, no problem. Awesome. Appreciate it. Stand by. Not a problem. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take a break here. We come back. We're driving it home till 7. I'm your host, Patty Vasquez, on the Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And thank you to our guest, Jeremy Gorner, who is a reporter with the Chicago Tribune, the political reporter for Springfield, to tell us everything, every single thing, Jeremy, about what's going on in Springfield. Like everything. Is that too much? I mean, there isn't really a whole lot going on this week. Um, I mean, uh, you know, the, all the uh, lawmakers came back uh, for veto session the, for the final two weeks 
of uh, session of the year uh, uh, scheduled for this week and then the week after Thanksgiving. Um, obviously, you know, pretty slow week, which I think is pretty typical. I mean, a lot of the action, like I was saying before your commercial break um, for veto session will happen after um, the week of Thanksgiving. And as far as I'm as far as I know, there really isn't anything that's on the table to veto. I mean, Governor Pritzker, um, you know, very rarely, if any time, has vetoed anything. So there really isn't anything that are unresolved any unresolved matters from the spring session that have been carried over to veto session in that regard. But what we're really going to be um, watching. Uh, that final week of veto session is whether there are going to be any changes uh, to the Safety Act, the um, sweeping criminal justice uh, uh, reforms that were signed into the law last year by Governor Pritzker. Um, and it's my understanding that whatever changes are made, there's um, it's not going it, to it's not going to be anything monumental. Um, there's just been some criticisms by opponents of the Safety Act that some of the languages um, in the law, as written, is a little unclear. So that's something that um, lawmakers are going to discuss, most likely, um, uh, during the final week of veto session. Do you think, are are there conversations about how much of an impact the results of last week's election will have? Uh, Let's say the Democrats hadn't been able to hold off so, you know, what was considered to be a possible red wave, not just in Illinois, but across the country. Do you think there would have been a different energy or folks saying there might have been a different energy behind the urgency of addressing the safety acts and so many Republicans were running on it? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, that's something that even like, uh, you know, us reporters were discussing amongst ourselves, you know, is are the Democrats going to feel pressured to make any changes? Well, I mean, look, I mean, uh, Governor Pritzker and um, Attorney General Kwame Raul have basically went very public, have very publicly stated that they feel like there's clarifications that are necessary, particularly with um, Attorney General Raul, um, you know, talking about judges and or Governor Pritzker talking about, um, you know, spelling out clearly in the law how much discretion judges are going to have to detain an individual or a criminal defendant um, if they're A, deemed a flight risk, or B, a threat to the community. Um, you know, one or both um, um, Attorney General and or Governor Pritzker, they have voiced, you know, some concern about that and, um, and, and, have, and have acknowledged that that's something that could probably benefit from being clarified, um, you know, the way that the law is, you know, in terms of the way that the law is written. Absolutely. So that's something that I think that so that I think that that's something that they are pretty adamant about. Um, as far as other changes, I think um on the record, lawmakers are kind of mum about um, what language is going to be clarified in the law. I know that um, another state senator, uh, Scott Bennett, he's a former prosecutor, Democrat from Champaign, has come up with um, his own language that he would like to clarify. But, um, you know, in the Safety Act, um, particularly with the pretrial uh, fairness provision that includes um, the elimination of cash bail, which has become very controversial, very controversial during this election cycle. Um, of course, you know, some of his proposals have been kind of looked down upon by um, advocacy groups, uh, particularly groups um, who um, stand up for victims of crime, 
um, particularly for gender-based violence. So, again, there's going to be a lot of back. It, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of back and forth about what language to clarify and, and how much of it to clarify. But it doesn't it doesn't sound like in substance there's going to be a lot of monumental changes to this to this thing. I've heard from actually a couple judges who appreciate the Safety Act and think that it does a lot of the right things. Uh, and, and I th- and I haven't had a chance to talk to some legislators, but she was saying one of the judges I've talked to said that she's spoken to judges in, in like like southern parts of the state that the Safety Act make kind of puts a little undue pressure, uh, like almost that they're held at the same right. standard as bigger cities, right? Yeah, I mean, I think like the, I, I think, you know, what it appears to show is that, you know, as, as written in the law is that prosecutors are going to probably be more busy um, trying to convince judges that criminal defendants should be held in county lockups um, before trial than they had before. You know, obviously the, the, the way the system is set up now is there's a bail system, right? And um, that's the whole point of the of the law is that there are a lot of problems with the bail system, according to advocates. Of course, um, you know, there's the idea that, um, not the idea, but like the, um, where um, you have some defendants who are incarcerated um, because they can't, uh, you know, for nonviolent offenses because they can't afford um, to get out of jail, they don't have the means to do it, or um, you know, people who are accused of violent crimes, like even murder, have the means to um, get bailed out of jail um, if a judge actually sets bond. So those are two issues of what they're trying to clear up with the um, with you know this pretrial comp- um, fairness component of the Safety Act. But at the same time, you know, you have a lawsuit where sixty states' attorneys, up to sixty six states attorneys across Illinois, including some Democrats, um, have filed a lawsuit questioning the constitutionality of the passage of the Safety Act. And um, it's in Kankakee County Court, and a judge could decide as early as mid-December whether the passage of the Safety Act was unconstitutional. Um, So everything that I just told you on this broadcast could could be void. Uh, depending on what this ruling shows, I mean, only time will tell. Obviously, right, right. Wow. And then you know, we were uh, we talked a little bit. I talked a little bit last week about Jim Durkin and uh, the comments, the statements he made when he said he was stepping down as the minority leader for the GOP in the House. And uh, and I've interviewed uh, Jim Durkin, and it's it's interesting. Uh, his background is interesting, and, and I think his record. Uh, he did his best under very interesting and strange circumstances, in particular during the Rauner administration, kind of having to toe the line for somebody who was trying to drive through an agenda and often at the expense of uh, Illinoisans. But from from Rauner to the atmosphere of extremism and, and types like Mary Miller and the tone and the I haven't mm-hmm. been down there in a while. Had you seen some of the sort of Trumpian MAGA conservative tone on the GOP side of the House and the Senate? Well, I mean... Probably the closest thing to that um, are a group of legislators, as you know, called the Eastern Bloc. That's, that's right. what they're commonly referred to. Of they're from the um, they are from you know the southeastern portion of the state. Um, these are a group of legislators who championed um, a sh- the idea that Chicago should secede from the rest right. of Illinois. Um, um, and, and basically, you know, well, basically, you know, they're regarded as the most among the most conservative um, lawmakers um, uh, in the General Assembly. Uh, Darren Bailey, um, 
Uh, Senator Darren Bailey, obviously, he was the Republican nominee for governor. Um, you know, he started in the legislature in 2019 as a member of the House, and he was part of this Eastern Bloc. Um, but, but we're not talking about a large group of legislators, Patty, mm-hmm. obviously, but based on like what you're describing, um, um, ones who, you know, have been, you know, pretty supportive of the same ideals as President Trump. The Eastern, you know, the Eastern Bloc lawmakers are the closest ones to it. But there's there's there has there's not really a lot of them, um, really. But like I said, they're more from like the southeastern um, southeastern Illinois, basically. And I think that, you know, guys like Jim Durkin, former of uh, minority leader Jim Durkin, but he's going to continue his uh, tenure as a he's not stepping down as a rep. Is he after this term or is it just the, the leadership position? Well, I mean, he, he still has his seat. Right. right. I mean, um, basically, um, it's just his leadership position. I mean, I've heard him say that time will tell time will tell whether he's still going to be, you know, a rank and file legislator, but I mean, he certainly is entitled to do that. He was just knocked down to that, to, you know, to that status um, after he chose to step down from leadership. Right, right. Um, so the, I'm just trying to think. So what what is the what's the tone of the new uh, leaders that, that were uh, chosen in the Senate and the House? Let us know who they are first of all. The, the GOP new minority leaders in the chambers. Yeah, so you have uh, Tony McCombie. She is from uh, the Quad Cities area. She's been in the House since 2017 from a, t- um, a town called Savannah, Illinois. She's, she was the former mayor of Savannah um, uh, prior to being in the state legislature. Uh, she's... Um, Obviously, kind of gone along with gone along with a lot of Republican ideals um, in the legislature. She's, you know, obviously she's pro-life, um, pro-Second Amendment, but she's also champion legislation um, with Democrats, particularly. Um, she's been a very vocal critic of Pritzker um, for the way that he's handled DCFS. And she was actually the House sponsor on a bill that allowed um, family families of DCF, DCFS workers who are killed in the performance of their duties. Like we had earlier this year in central Illinois, we had a worker who was stabbed to death of um, mm. those of their families getting, um, you know, getting uh, state state benefits, special state benefits, kind of similar to if like a police or firefighter um, were killed in the line of duty. And that was actually bipartisan legislation. That was something she was a part of. And she's been a part of other um, uh, other efforts, you know, in the legislature with Democrats. So she's she's been proven that she can work with Democrats. Um, she's, um, you know, a bit more conservative than John Curran, who is uh, was chosen as the Senate um, minority leader. He's kind of regarded as more of a moderate. Um, interestingly enough, um, when it comes to he kind of bills himself as being pro public safety, where he's obviously as a Republican somebody who is very and even in Democrats too. I mean, he's respect respectful of the Second Amendment and not wanting to penalize law abiding gun gun owners, but at the same time, uh, a couple of years ago when the uh, Floyd card system was overhauled in light of the mass shooting in Aurora, he was the only uh, Senate Republican to vote in favor of it. He went along with Democrats um, to um, ensure its passage. So he's kind of uh, so he's he's kind of looked at as more of a moderate. And 
you know, the other thing with him, too, is that he represents the western suburbs. He's from Downers Grove. So um, obviously his area has seen a lot of change in in terms of the electorate in the last um in the last 20 years he used to be very republican but now and then it went to purple and then you saw this last election patty where uh the democrats uh <laughs> took um you know much of the collar, collar counties um yeah. including where he's from so including his area so he kind of understands that um you know republicans of uh, you know of all makeups regardless of where they're from where they're from you know he's, he's basically kind of stressed there needs to be a balance but at the same time he also feels like republicans should not be shut out by democrats when it comes collaborating because that's the way he sees it that's how state that's when state government is at its strongest that's what i, I that's one of the things that i was just reflecting on because there's a, a fairly conservative writer here on the northwest side for the i mean our, our neighborhood paper the natig uh, we've got russ stewart who uh really the, his tone about the liberals just cracks me up but he always calls us woke um but uh he was talking about how democrats have a super duper majority and there does have to be a balance of you know because people just representation in all parts of the state and that means sitting down at the table with each other and not being being dismissive of each other right yeah i mean i mean i think what what you've seen though um especially in the and i say the democrats because the democrats before this election in the state legislature already had super majorities right right just it just (laughs) became more and and we didn't really see at least on I mean, there was just so much back and forth, a lot of fiery rhetoric going back and forth, you know, on both sides, so much division on both sides, Um, even prior to this election where the Republicans lost five seats, where it only weakened their position, um, you know, in the in the House. Um, They gained one seat in the Senate, but still, um, you know, they're down what is it, 40 to 19 in terms of Senate seats. So, I mean, that's a big, that's, that, that, that's a big difference to make up, you know? So yeah. I think, I think now though, like with this, with McCombie and with Curran, um, you know, there seems to be somewhat of a shift where there's an acknowledgement of the, on the Republicans part that they kind of need to move a little more to the center. I mean, that's basically just to kind of like paraphrase what Jim Durkin has said, because he's, you know, he basically didn't pull any punches in the interviews that he's given reporters in the last week. He really feels that Donald Trump has been a drag on the Republican Party, not just national. I mean, I'm, I mean, all over the country. Yeah. And um, which is why he has stressed, you know, why it's important, you know, if there's going to be any work to get done, um, that he, he feels like they should become, you know, more to the center, which is, you know, kind of signals, especially with, um, you know, the Senate Republicans choosing Curran, um, it it seems to be a desired direction for the Republicans right now. I would think. I would. But whether, I, the, but, but, but whether the Democrats, you know, want to work with the Republicans in spite of all that, I mean, only time will tell. Yeah, oh, no doubt about it. And, uh, and and I know that there's. Uh, by the way, so here's my my last question for you because I, I, you know, it's. Uh, I'm so grateful for the time. And next time, when are you back in Chicago? Are you coming back soon? 
I mean, Thanksgiving week is next week. I'll probably come back next week at some point. Well, I mean, sure. want, maybe, maybe, maybe this, maybe this weekend. <laughs> yeah, let me know if you want to come hang out Monday, or any day next week. The, my door, my my microphone is always available to you. Um, so, okay. my but my question. Okay. Speaking of uh, Thanksgiving and just, I mean, food because I just, now I just got hungry. I actually love stuffing. Well, let me ask you that first. What's your favorite dish? Of, what's your favorite thing at Thanksgiving? My favorite thing at Thanksgiving is uh, stuffing and green bean casserole. Nice. Is it with the French onion, the crispy French onions on top? Oh, yes. Of course. <laughs> There's no other way. I love it. <laughs> so with that, we always talk about food in Springfield. Uh, so have you found any new places or where are you planning on eating today? Where have you eaten this week? Well, I mean, there's a couple of, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's Gabatoni's. Yes. It's a great pizza place. Uh, Bernie and Betty's. I live down the street from Bernie and Betty's. Um, which is about five, six blocks south of the Capitol. Um, there's a place called Indigo, which is way out, kind Ooh. of on Veterans Parkway. That's a that's a good place. Um, Bailey's, a, Bailey's a good place. That used to be downtown Springfield. That's kind of way out. Um, Charlie Parker's is a good lunch yes. place. Or, I mean, a good, good breakfast place. Um, yeah, so there's just some to, you know, just to name a few. Every, you know, Zaputo's is kind of a sure. <laughs> a historic place. Uh, that's where Mike Madigan used to. That used to be his watering hole. I have um, to send you a photo um, of Mulliner's is another place. Oh yeah, Mulliner's <laughs> is great. I have to send you a photo of during the during the uh, the budget impasse. I have a photo of Mike Madigan. It was when they do all the inaugur- you know, the, the the new class of legislators. So it was like in January. Yeah. So I want to say it was like January of seventeen. I have a photo of Rauner walking, uh, standing at Madigan's table at Sabatino's. Sab- no, it was. What's it called? Is that right? No. Saputos. Saputos. At Saputos. Saputos. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just so, it's so weird. I'm like, someone lock the doors. Let's fix it right now. Let's go. <laughs> I'll have to send you that photo. Yes. Yeah, so the reason yeah. I ask is I, I really want to get a field trip of listeners to go down to Springfield during the spring session and uh, just like, you know, yeah. let them watch how this, the sausage is made. Is the gallery back open to the public? Yeah, I did see um, I did see a lot of people up there yesterday. Good. In um, the, okay, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. So in the House, yes, but you know the Senate. So the Capitol is under construction. Oh, that's um, right. The, so the Senate chamber is going to be under renovation for the next two years. So there's a makeshift makeshift Senate chamber in the Howlett Building, which is right next to uh, the Capitol. Okay. Um, Howlett Building is also the headquarters for. Um, the uh, Secretary of State. Um, um, the actual Jesse White Springfield office is in the Capitol, but uh, the Howlett Building um, is like the state headquarters for its operations. So there's an auditorium in there, and that's where the Senate has been, has you know, started to meet this week. Um, so that auditorium was renovated um, uh, to basically uh, yeah. accommodate. Um, the Senate, basically. Wow, that's wild. Oh, well, now yeah. I'm curious to see how that goes. All right, thank you so much Ruby, for the update. Ruby, huh? Ruby red, Ruby red carpeting. And, <laughs> yeah, it works. So <laughs> well, hopefully I'll get down there during the uh, spring session, but yeah, I want to bring a field trip of listeners. That's always been my dream, is to get on Amtrak and just bring a bunch of folks down there. And just to... Oh, and, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Amtrak's Taking Amtrak down there is the best. It really is. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. All right, so let me know if you can come in uh, one day next week uh, for Thanksgiving week. And where can folks find your work? Uh, They can go to uh, chicagotribune.com. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Chicagotribune.com for Jeremy Gorner, uh, keeping us filled in on what's going on in Springfield. And have a great evening, Jeremy. I'll talk to you soon. 
You too, Patty. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Let's take a break here and uh, get all my all my commercials in and then do traffic. And then I'll get to Mirna. I promise. Thank you, Mirna. I know you've been holding on for a bit. Oh, we came back faster than I thought we would. All right, Mirna, let me get to your call. Hey, Mirna, how are you doing tonight? I wanted to thank you again for calling yesterday after uh, Ken's very strange uh, vocal farting out of his mouth. Mouth diarrhea is what it seemed like. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, comment on that. Well, what's his name again? It was Ken. Ken. Okay. It was booger eating. Uh, booger eating Ken. Ken the mocoso. Okay. <laughs> um, you didn't just swear in Spanish, did you? <laughs> no, mocoso means uh, snahead. Oh, now I know. No, thank you for that. <laughs> but um, quick question about the well, actually three things. The signal goes kind of low at five thirty. What causes that? Uh, it, it, I'm sure there's a science behind it. I'm not going to pretend that I know. It just happens. I know that when I, it's the strength of the signal itself. Uh, I know that I've worked somewhere else that at night we actually were able to carry like much farther. It just depends on the, the equipment that we have. And currently the equipment we have, uh, we go a little bit weak as, as the sun goes down. Okay. Because if I, if I, you know, before 530, I'm okay. But at 530, I have to like, sort of stick my hand out the back window of my house. <laughs> well, on your phone, can, can do you have a smart speaker at home or anything? Do you have like a Amazon or a I'm Google? Kidding. I, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm actually... Hold on. I have, a, I have an expert. Uh, hold on. Uh, thank you so much, Matt, because okay. otherwise... My, so our station operations director manager just came in, Matt Cummings, uh, will share the information because I, I, I could have spitballed it for a while, Matt, but I wasn't going to do that. Right. It's not the... It has nothing to do with the equipment that we have. It's what we're licensed for by the uh, FCC. Oh, thank you. So uh, there is a clear well, channel. A there's a clear channel station on 8:20 a.m. in Dallas, and they have the license to cover the entire middle of the country at night. What? So at night we have to power. This is a former daytime station. Oh, we thank added you. the nighttime signal. We have a, a complicated tower in Joliet that beams the signal into the city from Joliet. I just if imagine. you're southeast or northwest, it's hard to hear it. But that's that's why it's to protect the station in Dallas. Okay, so how much did your head explode when I said equipment? Yeah, <laughs> you're it's like, like it's, it's not, not us. No, it's no, not it's not us. It's the FCC. <laughs> this is what we're licensed for. Making stuff up. She said she wouldn't, but there she is. And it's a lot better than it used to be because we used to have to turn off at night. Oh yeah, that's right. So where would you suggest? So so Marina, let's walk you through this. Do you have a smart speaker at home, like a Google? Well, actually, I was going to say I'm probably one of the few who doesn't have a problem with it because I actually get a better signal when I turn my radio just like a half inch. There you go. In the opposite direction. All right. So that's what I was joking about that, but it yeah. seemed kind of weird. Yeah, I, like Matt said, I, at nighttime I just get a lot of mumbo jumbo, so I would stop listening, and you know I don't. Uh, Good. No, I'm going to say it's, I had to write a note to myself, not the equipment, it's the license. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're so, yeah, I, I, so in the event that you happen to be out and about and you lose the signal, you can always use your cell phone for uh, like tune in radio, uh, heartland.com. Yeah, heartlandsignal.com. Thank you, heartlandsignal.com. Yeah. Or wcpt820.com, that works. And Facebook Live. Yep. Well, Facebook Live for certain shows when we're yes. live in studio, but if that won't work for Rick, Rick, uh, not Rick Hunter, uh, Rick Smith, or Mike Crute because they aren't originated from here. There you go. I uh, so I just wrote a note to myself. It's not the equipment; it's the license. Dallas has a, the, the bigger right. it's, license. It's, it's so yeah. We're protecting 
Unfortunately, they're a uh, conservative talk station, too. Of course they are. Sorry, but thank you, Mirna. Now we're all cleared up on that. (laughs) Okay. Appreciate Um, it. You mentioned yesterday, or today, actually, that um, you said his name was Ken Mokoso? Yes. It's not Head. Okay. Uh, That it it sounded almost a little threatening, the way he worded it. Didn't it it sound like it a little bit? you know what? I yeah, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. I thought I was just being nope. a little paranoid, but nope. I, I, you know what? To the people who heard it, you're you, not uh, the ones who are loud about it. Fine, you know you know where they're coming from, but it's the real little low key quiet ones like him. Yeah, that you need to be afraid of. Because those are the ones who, because they're so subtle and so calm when they make their comments, they are easier to fall into their trap. Yes, because he said, don't be surprised. And and that was the part that sounded menacing to me. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I was like, it it wasn't just me. And I'm glad that Patty caught that, too, because, like I said, those little quiet ones are the ones that you have to be afraid of and you have to watch out for them and keep your eyes out for them. You know, don't don't fall for how calm he is. No, there's way more to it than the big mouths who let you know where they're coming from. Yeah. Like the MAGA Republicans. Yes. But um yeah. no, again, I- thank you for like letting him through and letting him make that those statements so that everyone is aware yes. of the kind of trash that is still around out there. It still exists. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, unless we fight it, it's going to continue. If we don't fight it, you know, it, it, it's just, like I said, it's going to continue. So, yeah, it'll fester. Again, thank you for allowing me. And, uh, you know what? I think that I might be cousins with Roosevelt. You have to do a 23 and me. Yeah. <laughs> he mentioned, uh, I noticed, too, that he hadn't been calling in for the last week or two. And I thought maybe he was out ill or something. See, you get worried like I do. See, Roosevelt, you got to check in more often, Roosevelt. Yeah, well, he mentioned that he didn't want to hog airtime. And I was like, that's what I'm thinking, too. I don't, I try to call like either Wednesday or Friday because Monday you're trying to catch up with everything that happened over the weekend and stuff. And, you know, you have guests. And I try to listen at the beginning to see who your guests are going to be to not take up too much time so that they get more airtime, you know, because it, I know it's hard for you to get, you know, guests um, when you only had an hour. Right. So that's why I was like, you know, we must be cousins because we're thinking on that same wavelength about not wanting to hog <laughs> too much airtime here. So I won't hog any more airtime. And do, could you please, please do me one big favor. Yeah. Could you give Lady B a big hug for me? I will. Thank you. Yeah, we talked last week, so oh, okay. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I will when I see her. Thank you. Okay. Thank, thank you, Meredith. Take my call. Have a of good course. Day, buddy. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye. Have a good night. Of course, I'm late for traffic. See, I'm on, I'm on the uh, five and a half, I guess, for traffic. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Sorry, that little uh, music interlude. Uh, there's uh, some boxes on the screen. I was like, what is, what's that music to? I don't I was like, oh, there it is. I need to get like a bunch of sound effects and just load them in. Earlier, Penny was calling about a video, the uh, little speech that uh, the clip of Josh Howley talking about the Republican Party. Let me see if I have it. I think that this election was the funeral for the Republican Party as we know it. The Republican Party, as we have known it, is dead. 
and voters have made that clear. And in particular, the folks who did not vote for Republicans in this last election were independent voters, working class independent voters, folks who voted for President Obama uh, once upon a time, folks who then voted for President Trump but stayed home this time. We are not a majority party unless we can appeal to those voters. I'm not going to vote for Senator McConnell, and I've, I've been very clear about that. Um, and uh, I feel very strongly about that, and I said that before this election. So uh, will somebody challenge him? I don't know. I don't give advice to my colleagues. So um, we'll see what others do. I, I don't have a prediction for you. So to uh, Penny's point, uh, she was saying that he was a hypocrite. I would say he's a smug jerk because here is a statement in July of la- of this year. Uh, the week before the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol, Missouri's Josh Hawley became the first Republic- Republican senator to announce he would object to the certification of the 2020 election. Uh, of course, Ted Cruz uh, came next. And uh, it, it's just like, what a lot of just the I'm sorry, the hubris of guys like this who are now like, well, maybe, maybe we, you know, that this is the uh, the death of the Republican Party. You, dude, you put your own nails. You came with the hammer. And you're like you're hammering from the inside of the coffin. I'm sorry. There's <laughs> Dan, Dan in Chicago. Hey, Dan, what's on your mind, my friend? Hey, Patty, just calling in to. to I'm just glad you know you've been extended to the extra hour because normally I'm getting off work and you either off the air or I catch the last two minutes. Oh, hey, and you just. Yeah, and you're just a genuine host, one of the most genuine hosts I've heard on radio. And I'm just, you know, glad I can listen to you for my whole ride on my way home. And Aww. I just wanted to say, good, good for you that you've been extended. I'm glad to be here with you, Dan. What uh, Are you going ahead and home and having some dinner? Uh, no, right now I'm just going to fill up on some gas. All right. <laughs> then head home. All right. <laughs> well, be safe tonight, and I look forward to talking to you again, Dan. Glad to be with you for the ride home. Yep. Yeah, thanks, Patty. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. And Roosevelt's calling back. See, Roosevelt, we need to hear from you. I, I, I have to be honest with you. I get nervous, too, sometimes when it's a few days that go by. So, hi. You ladies must be brujas. Because <laughs> Myrna, Myrna, Myrna guessed that right. I watched it. At the tool, whenever COVID started, I, I started wearing my mask. So, I was I was sick. I was so sick. I had fever. Mm. Cough, the whole I'm still in it, but not as much. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You feeling all right? Okay, nothing, nothing worked. Mexican remedies, I'm finally coming out of it. Yeah, fatigue uh, and everything like that. Yeah, uh, one thing, I don't know if you got time, but one thing I wanted to say about yesterday, the caller and everything. Uh-huh. One thing that, one thing that nobody mentioned and went by all of us, and when I actually called, I wanted to bring it up, but my emotions got the best of me, and I kind of got sidetracked. He started his conversation by saying that uh, Judeo-Christian, where does it say that in the Constitution or any of our laws of, of the land? I, yeah. and, and, and what do you do? And what do you do with atheists? Oh, you hey, see what I'm saying? None of us belong here except for the J. Honestly, I don't even know what Judeo-Christian means. My religious background yeah. is so what messed up. Mean? I have no idea. I don't know what that means. Adam uh, Adam Burke joins joins me in the studio. By the way, this is uh, quite fitting. I have Roosevelt on the phone, who is of Mexican descent, and uh, Adam, who uh, is of Irish uh, and uh, is Irish, yeah. and uh, and I and I am both. We are so. Let me let me catch Adam up real quick about what happened yesterday. We had a caller uh, who called in and said that. 
immigrants are ruining this country by outbreeding the Judeo Christians in this country, and that people like me, who I, I wear a Mexican flag sometimes, and sometimes I wear an Irish flag, right. uh, that uh, that, and I, that what did he say? Do you remember Roosevelt about how uh, we're denigrating basically America, like our culture? We're going against the culture. I think, I, I think it was dancing around the issue of, of Myrna hit it right on the head. If you if you ask me. He was uh, dancing around the issue of money. In my opinion, in my my opinion, because I've heard this all my life, you know, that the Mexicans, all they do is just uh, collect money. So um, I think he's dancing the issue that they're costing us money. Remember what Trump did when he went to Puerto Rico, San Juan, and he, and he said to the right in front of, of, the, of the mayor of uh, San Juan, said, you guys are costing us a lot of money. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I think he's dancing around that that issue. He just didn't want to come out and say it. Notice he started his call by complimenting you. They do constantly. it every time. They do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and remember when you said I called you up? They did it that night too. Yeah, I was. I, I can see right through these guys. Did you see me trying to be faster? I was trying to be much faster in my reaction. I just wanted to see. Yeah, what... yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, 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 you know, and and several people said the same thing that I believe in. Let them talk. Let them. Let all that. Hatred. Yeah. No, no coincidence, but, you know, this stuff is starting all over again with Trump uh, declaring that he's going to run for. And, and Trump even said it on, and come to, come to think of it. You know, you talked about it at, at the top of your show, but uh, he said it again because the, 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 the borders are all busted up. They're all open. They're, they're constantly open. Yeah. He didn't mean the Can- Canadian border. Borders <laughs> just like this guy can. You know, I mean, Ken, all he pointed out, pointed out was just a Mexican flag. So go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. go ahead, Adam. I was just going to say, I mean, if your problem is that you're being outbred by another culture or ethnicity, isn't it on you to be sexier? Because <laughs> if you're not, <laughs> right, like, <laughs> step up your game. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah, keep reading. Yeah, get that out there. Maybe you need to make some donations at sperm banks. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, help out the cause. And guys, yeah. so briefly, I'm going to say this. It reminded me of, of people that say, you know, these people are on welfare, you know. And, yeah. and when, when they mean these people, they mean uh, African-Americans and Latinos. And, and, and the answer to that is, well, then go on welfare. Collect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're just mad you're not getting any. They don't any. have any idea. <laughs> In both senses, idea yeah. What, what people have to go through. <laughs> They don't have any idea. Yep. You know, they just go on welfare. The same thing I told them last night. Then have poor kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it sounds like he's uh, coming up short in a lot of ways. So, can I can, can I say real quick and help Myrna with a, a little tip? Sure. About the radio. Okay. Here's the deal. So we lose our I signal, Adam. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Here's the deal. Your radio has a little rod, carbon rod. It's surrounded by a coil. That's your AM antenna. Okay, I'm not going to get too technical. <laughs> what you need to do, Mina, is you have to swivel your radio around and make sure that, that I, I don't expect it to go inside the radio, but swivel your radio and make sure that that part of the, the antenna is usually on the back or on the side. So make sure that one of your sides is pointing towards where the station has their antenna. And you guys are up on the north side, right? We're on the northwest side. So, yeah, point away from the lake and away from down. Like, yeah. yeah. you got to point it. And, and yeah. here's another trick. Here's another trick and another tip. You have to have your radio connected slowly on one outlet. 
If you connect anything else, it's going to be interfering. I know what you're talking yeah, about. I have it plugged in next to my tooth, my electric toothbrush, and exactly. I do have a, a conference. I, I've, I've got to run because uh, you know that I have to turn the All station right. over at, right, at the right time. So thanks, Roosevelt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we've got a few minutes, uh, Adam, because you and I are heading to uh, Bourbon and Brass. Yeah. And uh, I, I want, one of the things, I, the one thing I wanted to ask you all day is because uh, you had to work very hard to become an American. Are you an American citizen? Uh, I'm a permanent resident. Now. Permanent I'm resident. I'm going to be a citizen next year. Is that I'm going to finish out the thing. But yeah. It, it's taken a lot of emotional, uh, financial, and physical toll, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, the, it's the sort of thing where I, I don't really judge America, like uh, natural born citizens, for not knowing this, but natural born citizens don't know about the immigration process, which is totally fine. I wouldn't either. You know what I mean? But that, that is the sort of thing where it's like. It's like you can. Uh, they're always like you can run for president, right? Like it's always like there's no, and it's you know the notion of that's what's really funny too about this notion of like uh, immigrants, illegal or otherwise, voting. It's like. It's very. It, we can't. I've, I've I've never tried to vote. I never think they're trying to vote. The, we. I think we can. I don't even think we can vote for a new flavor of Mountain Dew. Like there's nothing like we can vote for. <laughs> and who really needs another flavor? <laughs> like we really can't. And it's like most people I know wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know if you said that or not. What's that? Did you say the S word? I don't know if you did or not. No, I didn't oh, say the S word. No, oh, no, no. I'm sorry. No, I said that's such a. I was going to say it's such a shell game. Oh, it's shell a, game. I was like, did you say something else? Just because I'm Irish. Everyone thinks I'm no, comics get comfortable sometimes because we yeah. all do so many podcasts too. That's, right, right, that's right. where I end up being right. in that in that territory. Right. No, it is it is a shell game. And the, but my and my other question is like, but how crazy do, do we seem globally? I mean, or do we seem like we kind of came from the back from the brink of crazy in this midterm election? Yeah, but I mean, the the, the thing is, um, if you know. If this is the craziest, you know, modern democracy, like everything in America, people are definitely copying us. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, you know, this, this, it, it's gone wild in Italy. It's gone wild, you know, Britain. I mean, like, I mean, Britain, you know, Britain had a prime minister for, I think, about six and a half hours. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you know, you can sort of America gets America is like the, the biggest, loudest kid in class, and sort of like gets gets all your attention. We really do. But it's uh, sometimes. Those quieter kids that you have to worry about—the ones sitting in the back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's where yeah. you get hit with the spitball. <laughs> uh, so we're at uh, Bourbon and Brass tonight, and uh, but you work you work a lot at the uh, Laugh Factory as well. Yeah. Uh, what other shows do you have coming up? I want to make sure people know. In addition to our shows this week that I've been promoting, uh, I'm going to be. Uh, I don't know if people can still get tickets, but I'm really excited. I'm going to be uh, with Kyle Kinane at Talia Hall nice. next Tuesday. He's doing a two night run there. His big Thanksgiving show. I think one of the maybe the Monday night, you can still get tickets, and t- the twenty second might be sold out. But that's a really great show. I'm excited about that. How do you? What do you? I've been scrolling. When I scroll and I see like reels of comics, like I, the amount of comics I see doing crowd work is making me a little crazy. Well, I, you know, whatever, whatever people, you know, I've, I'm a firm believer in however you get it done. You know, yeah. however you get your name out there. The only thing I worry about, the only thing I question, uh, is whether that changes the audience perception that's, of how a show should go. Yeah. Because it seems like it almost looks like people are inviting that, and like you know, you know as well as I know that you don't really want that. You know what I mean? Especially if you spent, you know, six months getting a joke just right, and someone like yells out right before the punchline. It's just like, well, okay, yeah. now we have to deal with that. And what what is what I do think is funny, but a lot of people point out, it's like, you know, by all means do crowd work, but the people who are posting bad crowd work. <laughs> I know. 
It's like, is that your best? Yeah. And it's also, it's also, um, why are you surprised? Like, this fake surprise is like, oh, you're single? It's like, yeah, lots of people are single. It's always like this manufactured kind of thing. It's like, oh, you're married? Oh, you're dating? And it's always like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yes. It, statistically, a lot of people are going to be married. <laughs> and, and one of the, the, the thing is, that, like, I've never been neither a roast comic or mm. a mean comic. Like, it's right. just, and so doing crowd work kind of lends itself to having to be sort of angry and mean, like, go, go to the negative. You're not going to, you know, like, I, people ask me, they ask me to roast, I'm like, can I just do like a, they're really good at, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I just don't have that in me. There's a show, there was a show that uh, came out in New York called Boast Rattle, where it was a roast battle, but you had, you could only compliment the other person. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you would I, like I, that. I wish I'd done that. That would have been a lot of fun. All right, let me take a break here. We've got to pack up because uh, I have to turn the station over, and uh, this is where I do the big shuffle of, oh, like, yeah. getting out of the way for the next host. So let me take a break here. We're hanging out with Adam Burke. He and I will be at the Bourbon and Brass in Desplaines. I don't know what time. Possibly <laughs> 7.30. Maybe. I'm hoping 8 o'clock. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, we'll get there very close to the time. <laughs> More to this on Driving It Home with me, Patty Vasquez. It's almost 7. Before I head out with Adam Burke, I want to also ask you, I know you produce shows at Lincoln Lodge. Let folks yeah. know about the, the events there and where they should go to find out about uh, those shows. Uh, our, our show is the first Saturday of uh, every month. Uh, it's called The Latest and the Greatest. So we have like um, uh, veteran comedians, uh, if you're okay with that, with that word, and newer <laughs> comics, newer upcoming comics that we like. Yes. Um, and it's at the Lincoln Lodge, which is a great spot at 2040 North Milwaukee and just uh, all sorts of shows. And it's a kind of a great spot where people will come and see one show and they'll have such a good time to watch other shows. So it's a, it's a great little spot. It really, it's a, it's a great venue for comedy. And uh, where can people find out more about the work that you do? Uh, you can find me on all the social stuff under ATP Burke. So on Instagram and Twitter. ATP Burke. And, uh, and it's, uh, I'm trying to talk to the, like, I'm trying to figure out how to get to right to 57 and then hit a commercial. <laughs> uh, but let me let Jewel know. Jewel, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say goodnight in a few seconds and uh, hit the Monaco Brewery commercial. And then you just take it over from there. That way we don't have to, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to work this out. Adam. Yeah, yeah, no, it sounds like you're doing a great job. I, I'm pulling back the curtain behind uh, how we get this done. Uh, Adam again and I are going to be heading to uh, Bourbon and Brass in Desplaines. Uh, go to anestyoshows.com. Um, That's oshows.com to find out about our shows in Arcata, at Arcata uh, Speakeasy. And then we'll be at the uh, Bourbon and Brass again on Friday. Adam will join us again on Saturday. Uh, it's, it's, there's a lot going on. Everyone have a great night.